Hello, and welcome to the 430 Movie Podcast live. I can't believe we're sitting here at WonderCon doing our podcast. This is pretty... A year ago, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And here we are. Some will argue we still don't. That, yeah, I would be one. That's true. Well, I'm, I'm Mark A. Altman, and... Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. We got, obviously, we picked it up the perfect week to do here. Uh, we're, we're technically on hiatus. Ides of uh, March week was our season finale. Um, we'll return in the spring with all new episodes. But if you're not familiar with the podcast, let me tell you a little bit about it. Well, we, has anyone here actually listened to the podcast at all? Yeah. All right. Nice. Right on. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't raise your hand. We know you have. <laughs> Always putting stuff on social, very insightful stuff. Kevin Wait, that's Rubio. just one finger. That's not a hand. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people gave us the finger it was right now. Pointed at you. Oh. Um, so, the, 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 for those of you who don't know, the 4:30 movie is a podcast where each week we curate a fantasy theme week of movies we pick in the style of the classic show, the 4:30 movie. When we were growing up, some of us, some of us are too young to remember this. Some of us. Me. Uh, yeah, Ashley, that's right. There was uh, the 430 movie. It was mostly an East Coast thing. And they did like Planet of the Apes Week and Sci-Fi Movie Week and, um, like Giant, Monster and Giant Monster Week, Monster week and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So, we, you know, you really want, you were always excited about Planet of the Apes Week. So we took the idea of the 430 movie and we're programming it like, you know, if this was a sports thing, I guess. <laughs> Not that I know much about sports, but if it's it was our, a our fantasy four thirty movie, it would be like you know fantasy draft. So it's our fantasy movies by theme. So we've done everything from superhero week to in the shadow of Star Wars week to films about filmmaking week to the Ides of March, which was our Shakespeare week, and and sword and sorcery, sword video games, games. and and for seven days of 007, we even programmed Saturday and Sunday. That was a big thing for us. <laughs> so uh, movies not to watch with your mom week. That was no, no, good. that was you every week. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Right. Uh, no, actually, that was no, you. That was me, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I want to introduce you to our expert curators, um, and uh, then we're going to start with, I mean, so perfect, here in Anaheim, we're doing Walt Disney Week. What could be more perfect? Although I think, quite honestly, everywhere is Walt Disney now. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pico Boulevard is Walt Disney now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, but, but it is great. It was a perfect thing for us to do, to interrupt our hiatus, to come here and do... Walt Disney Week. So I want to start by introducing you. Uh, you know him as a uh, writer on such shows as Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rebels, and uh, Rusty and Big Guy, The Boy Robot. And do I, did I get that right again? Big no. Guy and Big Rusty, guy, Rusty, the Boy, the boy Robot. Robot. And uh, X-Men, the animated series. Uh, Steve Melching. Hello. A, uh, a gentleman and a scholar. He always comes very prepared. Uh, next to me is the concept designer uh, for such uh, Master and Commander and uh, the upcoming season and last season of Westworld. He also was the visual effects supervisor on the Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition, Mr. Darren Docterman. Over here, we have, we have Thursday. I only know him as Thursday. Um, it's code name Thursday. Uh, I've gotten a lot of complaints about this man, so I want to reiterate that uh, they would like to say that many people may be uh, in the audience, may be under 18 years of age, so watch your, your potty mouth. Well, you know, this gentleman here. Yeah, because this is actually not completely accurate, because it doesn't actually indicate that some members of the panel 
maybe under 18. <laughs> ah, yes, that's true. Because my, so, my kids are always complaining when they listen to the podcast about uh, your, my potty your, mouth. your profanity. So, it, so does Caden. And I'm like, I can't tell Ashley what to say. <laughs> if I did, I would pick different films for him. Um, so anyway, he's the uh, writer of Thor, of X-Men First Class. He was a writer-producer on Black Sails and Terminator of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. First time I said that right. You did. I was surprised. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Edward Miller. And making his 4.30 movie debut, his debut for Disney Week. Where, I mean, you know, this is, this is it's the happiest place on earth. It's the big show, and, kid. And, and, and it appeals to, uh, you know, people from, what, 70, 70, 7 to 70? Or, At least 70 people listen to this show. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about, what do they say about the... We actually have children, a I love bigger children. Bigger audience than that. But, but uh, you know, with the children... Disney films are enjoyed by children time. of all ages. We have Caden but mostly young ones. Yes. Miller. And Caden Miller's here to keep us honest and keep his dad from cursing. So, uh, good luck. Um, so, welcome, Caden. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the big show. And uh, William's helping us out with the AV. Thank you very much, William. We appreciate it. You know, uh, and uh, thank you for all joining us today. This is, I mean, I love, this is how great the Comic-Con people are. They scheduled our podcast, our 4.30 movie podcast at 4.30. Someone's using their noodle. That would never happen at New York Comic Con. So uh, I, I, I love that. Um, so thank you, everybody in programming here at uh, WonderCon, who's always so awesome. And that's all the time we have. Good night, everybody. But, Good night. But before, before we start, and, and, and uh, I want to say, I know we're supposed to do Walt Disney Week, but today we had a tragic passing. And I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the death of Shane Rimmer. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, who, thank you, Ron, who is Shane Rimmer? Shane Rimmer should. is one of the great character actors who's been in every movie that you've never heard of. Now, you've heard of the movies, you haven't heard of Shane Rimmer. He's, like, he was in Star Wars. Remember the guy who climbs up on the X-Wing and says, uh, this little X-Wing uh, is beat up, would you like another one? Uh, R2 unit, actually, Mark. I'm going to call you on that one. You said this little X-Wing. Oh, I'm afraid that's incorrect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is R2-D2? So, you know that guy? I mean, who could forget those classic lines? That was Shane Rimmer. Okay, you remember the, 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 the captain of the American uh, submarine in The Spy Who Loved Me? That was Shane Rimmer. He had about three lines in that one. And uh, he was also voiced in Thunderbirds. And, uh, he was on the grassy knoll. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of all the things he could have been. He could have been. So, you know, he was also the, uh, the, 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 the commander in um, You Only Live Twice. He was the guy up in the capsule that gets swallowed uh, you know, by Blofeld's ship. Spoiler alert. And uh, he had the same role in Spoiler Love Me, basically. Huh? Uh, so, anyway, Shane Rimmer died today. And I, would, I, had, to, I had to mention it. Uh, he, you know, he's... He was a great, it was just like, it was like spot Shane Rimmer. And the reason he always showed up in these movies was he was one of the only Americans working in Britain. Right. So one of these, whenever they were doing one of these big American movies, he's like in Superman 2, he's one of the NASA guys. He was in everything you watched as a kid. Um, so basically, he, he, was, he wasn't faking an American accent like, you know, uh, somebody in the UK would do. Where they, they like was, you, Laurie. 
So, right, exactly. He actually, so he'd always get hired because he was a real American, had an American accent. They, he didn't have to disguise or do a Southern accent or some kind of weird affectation. He could talk American. He could talk American. So he got hired. Like, you, if you look at Shane Rimmer on IMDb, you'll be shocked at all the movies he was in. So enough about Shane Rimmer. Well, I, see, I thought you were going to acknowledge the passing of Agnes Varga, Varda, and we were going to have to talk about depressing uh, French films. Like yeah, Magnum. well, you know what? I really, I, I wanted to have a few people stay for the end of the panel. <laughs> Fortunately, a lot of them are staying for Back to the Future 2. Uh, which is on after us, and um, that's okay. We did time travel week, but Back to the Future Two didn't make the cut. Back we to the Future One We did talk about it did. extensively, though, because Ashley and I are big fans of it. That's yeah. right, you are. Yes, you two are. Um, oh, okay, now let's be nice. So, Walt Disney Week. Steve, I look to you for Monday. <laughs> What's your pick for Monday on Walt Disney Week? Well, let's uh, let's qualify this at first uh, to to start off that uh, these movies that we're talking about we don't necessarily consider the best films in right. any given uh, theme. They're just films that we enjoy watching, that right. we have a personal connection to, or that we feel uh, other people might okay. enjoy. That I also want to point out it's a big tent Disney. Yes, there's there was the late lamented label Touchstone Films. Yep, right. Uh, mm -hmm. Which. Uh, debuted in the 80s with Splash. There was also infamously Hollywood Pictures, which mm. was uh, referred to in the industry as the Sphinx that stinks <laughs> because they put out a succession of some of the worst movies ever made under the Hollywood Pictures banner. Um, and of course, they're the, you know, the little indie imprints, uh, uh, Marvel and Lucasfilm as yeah. well. Pixar. Uh, put out a couple of movies in Pixar. So the Mar Marvel's a big tent, Walt Disney's a big tent. Uh, we'll see though, uh, what these guys have to say about uh, uh, what they consider a Disney film that should be on uh, Walt Disney If we wait long, you know, Disney just finished their acquisition of 20th Century Fox, so if we wait long enough, every Everything. movie will be a Disney yeah. movie, ultimately. So I can't wait to talk about Star Trek during Disney week. I think that's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, anyway, Monday... We talk about it during every other week. Why yeah, true. Talk yeah, about well, it now. I just mentioned it. That's our... We can check that off the box. Stephen Melching, Monday. Well, I'm going uh, into uh, Walt Disney Pictures' uh, legacy of animation, although uh, my pick is from what's considered the second golden age of Disney animation, which uh, began uh, with The Little Mermaid in 1989. Uh, my pick is a movie that I believe had the highest budget of any movie in that era, or the second highest. Um, it is a magnificent production. Uh, it did fairly well. Um, but isn't talked about enough, in my opinion. And that's a movie that uh, asks the question, what makes a monster and what makes a man? I'm talking about uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. From All right, I, lo I love that people saw that. 1996, directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, uh, starring Tom Hulse, uh, star of one of my favorite uh, movies of all time. Amadeus. Animal House. <laughs> and Animal yes. House. Um. Uh, Tony Jay as the villain, Frollo. Kevin Klein uh, uh, um, was in it. Uh, uh, Demi Moore. Um, and it is just a, a magnificent piece of animation. And the lovable gargoyles. The lovable gargoyles. Well, you know, yeah. they're fine. Um, <laughs> but what I love about this movie is, first of all, it's absolutely stunningly gorgeously animated. It's 2D animation. Uh, it's some of the best 2D animation of modern times. Great multiplane work, great effects work. Uh, character animation is terrific. Uh, it's got a wonderful score by Alan Menken uh, and Stephen Schwartz, who did a lot of the music from the, the Disney films of that period. And it has got to be the darkest of any of these modern Disney films. Uh, Frollo is one of the 
most villainous villains I think we've seen in a Disney film. I mean, he starts off the movie ready to throw a baby down a well and kill it. I've been um, there. <laughs> it's cool, man. You got through it. It's fine. It's good. And it has one of the greatest songs. I couldn't believe it. I almost fell out of my chair when I was watching this in the theater back in the day. He sings a song called Hellfire, where he is lamenting uh, his... He's, it's a song about his lust for this gypsy woman that, he's, that he feels has got him under her spell. And he's, he's blaming her for these feelings and wants to destroy her for making him feel that way. And I could not believe I was watching that in a Disney movie. Well... Like we said, we're not picking the best. We're picking the ones that oh, we feel. Oh, come on. That movie's fantastic. <laughs> we're picking the ones we feel. Just there, There's no real criteria other just than. Just because the toys didn't sell at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to shine a light on movies that may be often overlooked. That's exactly. a big part of what we. Oh, it made over $300 million. I mean, it was successful. It just wasn't iconic in the way that Lion King or uh, Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid were. Well, don't worry. They'll be doing a live action version soon. Wait they are. It was, it was <laughs> announced in, it, it was announced in How January. How many live action versions of Hunchback? Uh, I mean, it's a Charles Lawton version. Oh, the so book, many... you know, the novel was written in 1831, and there have been, you know, there's a silent version, there was the universal version. We could do Hunchback of Notre Dame Week. We could. <laughs> that would so, be a whole possibly. thing. So, anyway. So, Caden, uh, I think you recently watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame. What did you think? Um, I think it's pretty good. It's not bad at all. Um... <laughs> a ringing endorsement, right. sir. <laughs> well, what did you like about it? Like... It was pretty dark, but like, but like with um, the main character, like, like how he thinks, now how he wants to go out there to like the parade, and because he spent all his life basically in the bell tower, just ringing the bells by himself. Like you, you kind of, you kind of feel bad for him, in a way. Mission accomplished. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's something everyone can relate to, this idea of being very self-conscious about your appearance or something and, and not wanting or, you know, not being able to or not wanting to go out into public and, you know, wanting to have friends or girlfriends or boyfriends and uh, not feeling worthy of that kind of uh, attention. I think it's really sweet and, uh, you know, it's a good... Good message. It's it's better than the Black Cauldron. Yep. <laughs> Look. Um, oh my God. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's a very worthy pick. I mean, I, and I think the um, like I think the music is great, um, and I agree with with Steve. It's it's actually I think very hard to um, to have been a, a film in that era of of Disney at that point in time. I mean, that's 1996, right? Yeah. And that's bringing up the tail end of that. Kind of that silver age. silver age. Yeah, and it's at that point, you know, I think that the animation studio was kind of running out of ways to surprise us. Um, and I think they, you know, they took a chance with that. Um, the bar was so high from that run of Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King that it was almost impossible to, uh, I think, keep that going. I mean, That's right. look, even Pixar you know, had a run and then it kind of abated, you know, you just can't make masterpieces after masterpieces after ma I mean, we talked about this on the show before, you know, Rob Reiner, you know, he comes out of the box with you know, the Spinal Tap and Princess Bride and, and Harry Maselli, but yeah, then you do North. There's always gonna be a North. 
You know, it, it, you just yeah. can't. But, but this wasn't North. I mean, it's like North is like one of those movies that you're like, wow, okay, thanks for completely disappointing me, Rob Reiner. And I, I think the, the difference is, I don't know that Rob Reiner ever actually recovered from North. Um, and I think that Hunchback kind of suffered from um, a, a little bit of Disney fatigue. I, I think also it was just a difficult movie to market. You know, it's, I mean, as, as much as I think um, we might uh, appreciate the music and we might have this empathetic reaction to the, to the Hunchback, to, you know, being just fascinated by some of the choices they're making, they were really pitching that movie towards adults. Um, right. And then it becomes very difficult to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you make that something that appeals to kids? A nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, for, for years, nobody understood like, how great that movie was. Disney didn't understand how to market it. I think it's only been within the last five or 10 years that we've really seen merchandise, right? I mean, I don't think we're gonna see any like Hunchback of Notre Dame mugs anytime soon or like, or t-shirts, but-, well, uh, but We I, will I, I in a couple of years when the, when the live action remake comes yeah, out. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. and then it'll be all over the place. You know what's interesting though? It's 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 because Disney had a whole different philosophy in home video, where they would put things out for a short period and then they go on moratorium. Right. You couldn't get these films for a long time. That you know, I think the reputation of these movies, you know, really go in ebbs and waves because when they're available, people get really excited, right. and then they go away and they're very hard to see. Now with the Disney uh, Plus streaming service it seems as though they're going to make everything available in perpetuity mm -hmm. and how that will affect sort of the reputation of some of these underseen movies. It'll be very interesting. Of course, people have already seen it on the 430 movie, so <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> it won't be, uh, won't be a problem. Uh, Darren, Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, I'm going to go all the way back to the first feature-length animated movie. 1937, Snow White and the seven little guys that are her friends. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if it's politically correct to say the other words. I don't know. So I'm just being safe. Um, but I do remember their names. Happy, sleepy, grumpy, dopey, sneezy, bashful, doc. It's kind of like this panel. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, I'm dopey. <laughs> well, nice, nice to meet you. <laughs> it is so beautiful, this film. Um, and it, it opened the floodgates to an entire new thing in entertainment. It was huge. It was the Star Wars of its time. Um, and it broke box office records everywhere. And people loved it. And it became a, an almost instant um, cultural icon. It, it permeated everything in uh, the late 30s. And it is so um, iconic that some people who see it today uh, don't really understand the, the massiveness that it was. I mean, they, they couldn't possibly. Um, but not only did Disney uh, um, invent ways of, you know, more or less economically creating uh, feature-length animation, but also push the envelope in the technology of making uh, animation beautiful and realistic and, and uh, jump off the screen to live. Because remember, right before this, the shorts that they had been putting out were you know, the conventional cartoons, you know, very simple drawings, very uh, simple animation. And yes, they, you know, they did some fun things with synchronous sound and everything, 
but nothing, no one had ever seen anything like this before. And it's a testament to the genius of Walt Disney that he was able to bet the farm on this. this is Absolutely. A huge, it was a risk. huge risk. I mean, now you look back and say, of course. And it wasn't now he owns all the farms. It wasn't the first time that he went all in on a project. Yeah. And it wasn't the last. Uh, but it was, it, I still, when I watch it, it's just still astounding to watch. Uh, Darren, I got a, a question for you, and probably for, for Steve, too, since you guys are like hip to the, the animation and, the, um, and the, the special effects stuff. But my understanding was that Snow White was the first time anybody used like sort of the multi-planar cells and all of that to, so that they could basically the camera, do, yeah. they could essentially move the camera around, right? Um, I, I think there might have been a little bit of that in Snow White, but that was, that was, I think, mostly used, correct me if I'm wrong, in Pinocchio. I'm, the old mill, um, but there there was some you know messing around with that technology and sort of you know moving background elements against each other and things like that. Uh, but so they could come in and out of focus and sure. move at different. You know what I love that uh, you know we were getting um, a couple of people I think on social at our 4:30 movie podcast on Twitter were saying um, that how come you guys have never picked an animated movie and here we are. No, it is true. We never picked an anime. <coughs> Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, we did. I take it back. What did we pick that for? Fish Week? Oh, under, under the, the Sea, sea week. week. Under the, under the, the Sea Week. week. That's it's Smelt Week. week. Uh, under the Sea Week. Daddy Fish Week. So, yes. Yeah, so, okay, that's right. Well, we, get, we were you know, saying, oh, you guys really avoid you know, animation. Here we are, first two, Monday and Tuesday, both well, and, animated and Snow films. White, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they filmed actors in costume. They did. Live action. They did. And then was used it for that as a reference guide. or was it rotoscoping? Um, it was a little bit of reference and a little bit of rotoscoping because remember... Um, they had sort of uh, uh, developed the, the rotoscoping technique for the Alice adventures uh, years before. They did sort of Alice in Wonderland. It kind of, uh, was it? Uh, in Alice uh, into the Inkwell, I think it was. And it had a sort of a live action person interacting with animated characters. So uh, it was all sort of related to this and the techniques that they developed earlier were all brought to the table on this one. And they filmed the Spanish version at the same time. Oh, no, that was Dracula. <laughs> that was Dracula. <laughs> so um, let's, that's a great pick, obviously. It's a classic. It's, it's a film. It's the film that started it all. That's why has, it was the ABC Sunday Night Movie. <laughs> be, see, the film that started it all. Has Snow Aiden, White. Has Aiden seen it? You have, I don't know, have you seen the, uh, Snow White and the seven friends of Snow White? Uh, <laughs> I I do not believe I have, but... Okay, I've failed you as your father. <laughs> In so many ways. Well, now you have special. something to look forward to. Yes, that's right. Yep. And there's, wow. a, there's a neat song in it um, about what to do on your way to work. Well, and also Emperor Palpatine is in it. He's great. Yes, that's you correct. Know? Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's, it's terrific. I mean, it really, it defined... Emperor Palpatine and his symbolic fruit. <laughs> it, 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 it defined uh, the, the Disney formula for a long time. I mean... It set the tone. I mean, you go look later, years later, Sleeping Beauty. I mean, so much of it, you know, just it, it set the table and the mm -hmm. template for what these films are and how to adapt these fairy tales to uh, a contem at that time a contemporary audience. Right. And it was a true phenomenon. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing because these, these characters, I, I, I don't know if the fairy tale, you know, would have continued to be this thing so much in the zeitgeist if it hadn't been for right. the animated movie, which, you know, most kids today, even today, <laughs> have seen and loved and embraced. 
So. If their parents care enough about them, that is. <laughs> Which apparently I don't. <laughs> but okay. uh, anyway, that's a, that's a, it's a great choice. So um, I'm going to go to Ashley for Wednesday. Um, which the Empire is always... Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, okay, wait. No, tell, tell them why. Because Ashley picked for, okay, on, on Valentine's Day week, we did great love story weeks. Great love story movies, right? This genius picks Empire Strikes Back. Although I have to say that by the end of the podcast, spoiler alert, he changed his pick to Breakfast at Tiffany's. So They're basically the same film. <laughs> <laughs> Only without puppets. And uh, for no without Mickey Rooney. Right. Or, or George Papard. Um, uh, I love when a plan comes together. Okay. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. So uh, I'm going to jump into uh, the world of live action filmmaking. Uh, and fairly recent history for this one. It's a, uh, it's a movie about the worst pirate I have ever seen. Uh, Johnny Depp stars in, I think, one of the great cinematic surprises uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean. And I say that it was a surprise because I don't know that anybody had any faith that that movie would be any good uh, whatsoever because Until it was based on the a first rock. trailer. Until the first trailer, which like yeah. suddenly, you know, Johnny Depp just he just emerges fully formed as this character that has on the on the sheer force of his personality like has has turned that in, that great movie into a kind of a colossal waste of time. But uh, it's it's truly fantastic. It's funny. It's scary. Uh, Gore Verbinski's direction is awesome. He has such control over that tone. Um, it is, for the most part, it is incredibly well cast. It's very witty. Um, it's pretty much everything you want from a film. Um, and the amazing thing about it is this. So at the time that that movie was released, uh, the, uh, you would think that if you were the president of production of Walt Disney Studios, that uh, your job would be fairly secure. Um, but literally two days after that movie was released, the, the president of Walt Disney Studios lost her job for reasons that continue to, uh, to elude me. But um, Pirates of the Caribbean is like, it's just a fun adventure romp. Um, it is everything that you would want from a movie. I think the other thing that it manages to do is it manages to be a good movie about pirates. Mm -hmm. Like, up until that point... Yeah, it was Cutthroat Island. Yeah. You know, and it was just a succession of awful pirates. There was the Roman Polanski pirate movie. Oh, my God. That was a disaster. Yeah. And then Cutthroat Island, which was one of the most famous failures of all time, financially. Um, and pirate movies were, were box office poison. Oh, 100%. And I think the thing that saved it was, you know, putting zombies in it. Uh... But, Caden, you have seen Pirates of the Caribbean. What did you think? Um, it is a very funny film to like watch. It's like a really good like family movie and like and also has like surprise in it. So like in the scene when um, Elizabeth grabs the knife and stabs it into the bad guy's rib. Barbosa. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do not remember the names really. Okay. Um, you just go like, oh, he's gonna die, but then, he, but then you realize that he didn't, and you're surprised, like, huh? And then she steps out, and then you see the, then you see the zombie pirates, and then like, and then she starts freaking out, and then she turns back, and then she sees um, the captain, and then she feels like she's trapped. It's, but, and overall, it's 
a really good Disney film. Yeah, I think, you know, people forget what a good film that is because the, the awful procession of sequels have followed it, you know, which were big <laughs> and bloated and, you know, just unwatchable. And millions of people kept going to see them anyway because they kept hoping they'd be good. But the first movie is really terrific. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it also started this whole idea, like, let's do a thing based on a theme park ride. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like the beginning of IP mania. Oh. Like, let's, oh, I, you know, I think, this, you know, this role-playing game should be, or, or, you know, somebody made a stuffed animal that would make a great uh, movie. No, I, uh, I, remember, you know, I remember back in the day seeing that uh, all the agencies have a thing called the open writing assignments where they, they keep track of all the different studio projects that they want to develop. And I remember seeing that on the list of things that Disney wanted to develop in a movie. Like, like really? You're going to turn this, this <laughs> ride, which I love the ride, but you're going to turn that into a movie? Yeah, see, I want to see Star Tours get turned into a movie. <laughs> right? That was always my thing. You know, interesting factoid about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is when Johnny Depp began, you know, what has now become this, this iconic performance, nobody had any faith in it. The studio was freaking out. They thought it was the strangest. They thought he was the worst pirate they had ever seen. Um, that and, they, they had ever heard of. Yeah. But you have heard of it. Yeah, they have <laughs> heard of it. Yes, exactly. Because he was doing Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then, of course, Keith Richards turns out to be his father, which I both believe. But now, if he'd done Mick Jagger, it wouldn't have worked. But no, not Keith at all. Keith Richards <laughs> is good. Yes. It never worked to do Mick Jagger. Um, Kate, what was your favorite part in Pirates? Honestly, I do not know. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, it's great. And, you know, at the time that, you know, Orlando Bloom was being pegged as, like, the next big thing, but he'd been in a couple of movies that hadn't really worked. It was the same like thing with Keira Knightley. Those weird Peter and Jackson then, films. That... And then they both got, you know, um, you know a, a lot of mileage out of those movies, yep. you know. But then the, the whole thing is, once you have a success, like, let's keep finding ways to bring the same people back, rather, you know, no matter how convoluted it is. But it was a great, great villain, you know, great idea, and it was a mishmash of genres. Really, really cool stuff. Yep. So, Thursday... You know, it's interesting. We have the two animated films. We have a, a beautiful um, theme park attraction adaptation. Uh, one of my favorite rides, by the way, as well. Mine too. Um, yeah, I, lo I love that ride. So um, I'm ready for Splash Mountain next. Right. So, Which is the one that's based on uh, Daryl Hannah and... Uh, no. Right. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. There's a mermaid at the bottom of the And Daryl Hannah in Splash Mountain, <laughs> the sequel you didn't know you wanted. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pitch that right now. I, I think I just did. Yeah. Well, you can only get your agent on the phone for another two days, yeah, so you true. better hurry up. Um, so, uh, look, we've talked about animation. We've talked about theme parks. So I, I feel, you know, Disney has become so associated now with superheroes and, 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 and uh, great comic book uh, characters that I figured I would be remiss if I, I did not, you know, call attention to one of these legendary characters in the Disney stable. And of course, that's Condor Man. How did I know? Um, <laughs> Condor Man, you know, look, here's the thing. The studio, people forget because Disney owns the world now. Condor Man, by the way, is not my pick. Um, <laughs> well, that's but, but, you know, back, There was a time. Back in the late <laughs> 70s and 80s, Disney was at the bottom. Disney was the paramount of studios. It was a, it was a, 
It was in Hawk. I mean, they were lucky they had real estate and the theme parks. But, you know, Disney could not release a film that was successful. Ron Miller was running the studio. This is before Eisner and uh, Katzenberg came in and transformed it. Um, so that, you know, they were putting this the age of, uh, you know, movies like well, Black Cauldron. But um, uh, The Black it? Hole in 1979, a movie we admittedly love, but for no good reason. Um, <laughs> well, they would and, do like the uh, Escape from Witch you know, Mountain. Escape from Witch Mountain. Yeah, the but even that, that was like, the kids' movies are different. That was yeah. good because that was sort of a, con you know, Freaky Friday. Yeah. All that stuff is fun because you had the Kurt Russell movies in the 60s and the Absent-Minded Professor. And this stuff was sort of the next iteration of that in the 70s. So the Witch Mountain movies, I don't, I don't think that's bad. I think that was serving like the Disney audience. But people thought, oh, Disney was only, only for kids, right? Right. It's like tricks. It's for kids. It's rated and G for kids. But, right. you know, they like were Logan just doing Trump. movie, And Condor Man was their attempt to create this big superhero <laughs> franchise with Michael Crawford, you know, as Condor Man. You may remember Michael Crawford as the man who starred as the Phantom of the Opera yeah. on Broadway. And it was basically what later would become Gotcha. You know, he gets involved. You know, he pretends to be this superhero that he really draws as a comic book artist. Anyway, that's not my pick. Um, so, you know... Then they launch Touchstone, and Splash is their first PG movie. It's very successful. It's a delightful film. And, you know, through uh, their new labels, they start to do some really interesting movies. Now, a lot of these guys are looking at me and say, I know where you're going with this. You're going to go say New York Stories. It was an anthology with Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, and Woody Allen. And the kids love who it. Who directed the great Oedipus Rex. Uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful um, sort of vignette in that. Uh, but I'm not going to pick... New Mark York has stories. this thing where he mentions so many movies before his own <laughs> but pick. I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> because <laughs> it's very... Look, the Disney movies. library is so... It's so hard. Now, if I wanted people to, like... If I just wanted people to get excited, like... And, 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 and say, that's a great pick, I would say The Rocketeer. But I'm not going to say that. Because I know... I Look, I know you want me to say The Rocketeer. I, and I, I kind of want to say The Rocketeer. But I'm not going to say The Rocketeer. But you just did say The Rocketeer. Rocketeer, Rocketeer. <laughs> yes, you did. And, and, and now he's going to show and, up. Great. You know, and, but I, I really... It was, you know, and Ed Wood, which was a touchdown movie, was already on the show. Can't do that. You know, if I was just doing opening title credits, I would say Ruthless People. But, yep, see, thank you. I knew you, somebody <laughs> would get that. Um... So I'm, I'm kind of like at the point where, I, you know, I really want to say Beauty and the Beast because it's brilliant. It got nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. But we've had two really great or one and a half great animated movies picked. Oh. Um, so oh. I'm going to go, and here's my pick. And I, I think that, I, and this really is my pick. And, and it was really, look, this was tough. Uh, it's not Rogue One. It's, um, I love Rogue One. Who frames Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> And I just adore this film. Robert Zemeckis, uh, you talk about advancing the medium in Absolutely. terms of his ability to combine animation and live action. It was based on a book uh, called uh, Who, Who Censored, censored Roger, Roger Rabbit? Rabbit? But that wouldn't look good on a marquee, you know? Who Censored Roger Rabbit? They changed it to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's so brilliant. And the fact that they were able to incorporate all these classic Warner Brothers characters, which I'm sure when Caden sees it, he has no idea who Bugs Bunny. And, and then, you know, like when he sees the other uh, Hanna-Barbera character, like, you know, Huckleberry Hound and all that, he's like, what? Betty know, Boop. Betty yeah. Boop. And then it ends with That's All Folks. And, of course, it's like one of the most brilliant endings of all time. But, uh, uh, and then they have Tinkerbell because they didn't want to end the movie with a Warner Brothers character. So uh, you get a Porky Pig saying, that's all, folks. And then Tinkerbell flies in just so Disney gets the last word. Isn't that so Disney? <laughs> so, um, 
It's just everything about that movie is great. Bob Hoskins is great. Obviously, Kathleen Turner as, um, you know, Jessica Rabbit. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, I'm sure all of us except Steve love this movie because it's based on Chinatown. And Chinatown, as we know, is a masterpiece and a great movie, unless you're Steve Melching. So I never denied it wasn't a masterpiece <laughs> or a great movie. I just said I didn't like watching no, it. Okay. So anyway, my pick is, is, is the absolutely delightful, and I, I went to see it again recently, played at the El Capitan, and it holds up. It's just as entertaining as the first time I saw it. And if you haven't seen Who Frames Roger, Roger Rabbit, uh, check it out on the 430 movie, or more likely uh, download it or buy the Blu-ray or um, uh, stream or whatever, uh, because it's just, uh, it's so fantastic. And I have so much respect for Roger Zemeckis, even when he fails with something like The Wire. Or Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> what did I say? You Rod said Roger. Roger. Who Roger framed Zemeckis. Roger Zemeckis? Roger Zemeckis? <laughs> Who's that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and how great is, oh, and I'm going to tee up it? there. I'm going to tee up how great is Christopher Lloyd, right? Oh, so great. The best. So great. And uh, that whole scene in Toontown is, is wonderful. And it's just... A merry-go-round broke down. It's quite a, quite a loony selection for a bunch of drunken reprobates. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's an inventive work of, of genius. And, uh, it, you know, it's a mainstream entertainment that you can enjoy on so many levels as a cinephile, as, as a kid, as, a, as an adult. Um, it's just not all at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's just great. So I, I can't say enough good things about it. So my pick for Thursday is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Cool. Now we get Friday. To Friday. Friday. So the pressure's on you, kid. Right. Go for it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to pick um, a Star Wars movie that. So um, I decided to pick Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Oh, a very controversial choice, but a good choice. A very good choice. Excellent. This panel loves that choice. <laughs> there's like, there's like a lot of good content in it. Um, like, like how Rey just once is like convincing, wants to convince Luke Skywalker for him to teach her to be a Jedi, and like how to use the Force. And then, and then she goes into the place, and then she. And then, like, there's also her her connection with Kylo Ren in, like, at some scenes in the movie. Um, then, like, there's Finn that's kind of looking for, uh, that's kind, that's trying, and then they're all just trying to... Um, Can I ask you a question, Caden? Yes. Um, because I, I really like the movie, too, so I, I want to ask you, but how do you feel about the Canto Bite sequences? Because that, to me, is where the movie sort of falls down a little bit. But as a kid, I wonder how you respond, because there's such a great arc for that kid who, at the end, you know, who has the and you realize that, you know, this is the future of the Jedi, or at least the future of the Resistance, is like these kids will one day grow up and have... Um, you know, fight the good fight and, and, and be the, the people that ultimately bring down evil. How, did that resonate at all for you? That actually kind of made the film, to me, more interesting. Because I'm like, because you're wondering like, oh, is this kid going to be in a future movie? Or is he not? Because he has the um, resistance symbol at the end of the film. And then, like, you see them playing with the toys, and then the alien comes and, st and then scares them away. <laughs> and Is that your favorite of Star Wars movies? Um, probably, yes. Star Wars Last Jedi, yes. 
So it sounds like the thing that you most responded to in that movie was the relationships between the characters, right? Yes. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. See, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think if my son were here, he'd probably say the Phantom Menace just to screw with me. So I'm really glad. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear, you know, you, you, you know, you sort of more modulated, reasonable kind of, uh, there, there, there's so much, look, that's a whole nother panel. We haven't done Star Wars Week. We've done the shadow of Star Wars Week where we talked about movies influenced by Star Wars. And if you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to it. I mean, I think that's where we picked the black hole and we picked Moonraker and we picked uh, um, um, Star Crash. No, maybe not Star Crash, but uh, <laughs> Alien. Uh, I think. Battle Beyond the it Stars. Was, Battle Beyond the Stars. It was a great, great week. And so uh, we haven't done a Star Wars Week yet. And I think that's something we should do because I think that this sort of warrants more discussion, you know, and I know that certainly Steve, who worked on some of the great Star Wars projects like Clone Wars and, and, and um, uh, uh, Rebels. Rebels, which I love, is, is you know, somewhat, we are, we're not on the same page necessarily about Star Wars. It would be a very interesting conversation, I think, if we all talked about sort of the original, the prequels, and, and this new trilogy. So maybe that's something we can do in the well, future. What, yeah. I, what I really liked about Last Jedi is that's a Star Wars... I didn't think I could be surprised by a Star Wars movie anymore after all we had seen, you know, with the original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy and, and the, the first few coming out of Disney. I, I felt like I'd kind of seen it all, and I didn't feel they would want to take many risks in a, in a, in a big-budget Star Wars film. And I, I know some of those surprises are controversial to people. Uh, I don't love the movie in, entirely, but I was, I was delighted watching parts of that movie because I, I kept being surprised by it in ways that I, I really liked. In a way that Force Awakens, on the other hand, I felt like I was kind of, I'd seen it all before, and it was a little dull to me. You're just a hater. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny because I, I think it's, it, Steve makes a really good point in the sense that, you know, look, clearly there are a lot of people who are not fans of, of, of Last Jedi, and, and I think one of the joys for me, despite whatever minor failings it might have had, uh, was that it was surprising. That wasn't what I expected, and I think a lot of people were disappointed by it, were, were disappointed because it wasn't what they were expecting. But again, much longer conversation. Probably not, Disney Week is not the right time for it. Um, so let's talk about, because we're going to add a day. We're going to end a day because it is Disney week, so we have to do the wonderful world of Disney <laughs> on Sunday, right? That would only be appropriate. So we're going to do one more week. This is where we have to come to an agreement together, and I would ask if there's anyone in the audience who has some suggestions that they want to make. There's a mic right there, and then we can sort of discuss it and weigh our decision for Sunday for the wonderful world of Disney. Michael Eisner will not be introducing it. Um, <laughs> you know, if we can get Mickey for scale, maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see if we have anybody who wants to uh, mm -hmm. make a suggestion. I would. Oh, Caden, why don't you start us off, please? Um, so my suggestion is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's a fine choice. Uh, but Guardians of the Galaxy don't was we it? yeah, we did pick it for what week was it? Was it Alien? No, oh it my gosh, I don't remember. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure well, we. You know what? I might have picked it for in it the Shadow of Star Trek. Oh, you did. Yeah. It was yep. it was so, in the shadow of Star Trek week. So it's like we're related. So it, it is almost like you're related. <laughs> yes, sir. Never cry wolf. What? Abercrombie and Finch? I can't no. hear. Deadpool. Never, never cry wolf. 
Never cry. Oh, wolf. never, oh, never cry, cry wolf. wolf. Oh, never cry wolf. I oh, swear, I kept hearing Deadpool. Yeah, never cry wolf. That's a good. <laughs> that's, that's a good, a good one. That is a movie yeah, that really. I ha- I have not seen it. I would love to see it, but I, really I think it's, it's really very good. difficult to to find. I mean, it's not. It, yeah, it was never not released on uh, on Disney Blu-ray. Plus in a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's Disney, but The Incredible Mr. Limpet was always oh, the it's fourth. Not. It's, it's not. not. It's Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh. But it's a good movie. And he almost picked that for Under the Sea Week. We talked about it at length in yeah. the Under the Sea Week. But that's a, a good suggestion. And Warner a very Brothers. good 4.30 movie. What? A very good 4.30 in the afternoon movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And don't forget, by the way, 4.30 movie is available for download, including this episode will be available next week, uh, even though we're on hiatus. Wherever Uh, you look for podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's free, and there's like, what, 25, 26 I can't emphasize that enough. The first season, uh, there's something like 29 episodes. It's free. We're not... Trolling for Patreon donations or we have no uh, sponsors. No firewall. You don't it's have like, to go fund you us. You listen to it. It's free, and hopefully you'll be entertained. We make nothing informed. on it, and we pass the savings on to you. <laughs> <laughs> we do it for the love of the game. For yes. the kids. So uh, animated, I suggest Lilo and Stitch. It's yeah. Starts out, oh. It's also subverting the cute and fluffy Disney thing, mm-hmm. but ends up being some of the most meaningful emotional content I think of any of the Disney movies. And live-action Dead Poets Society on the Touchdown. Yeah, oh, Dead, Dead Poets Poet. Society. Had I got to list another 20 movies, I probably would have gone around to Dead Poets Society. <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain. Thank you. Carpe diem. Yes. Hey, Steve. <laughs> How's it going? Hello. Um, I'm going to bring the spirit of Jay West into the room and say Tron. 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 Yeah, how uh, did we not talk at least about Tron? Another well, groundbreaking I, I, you film. Well, I, I almost prefaced by saying I, I probably would have picked Tron myself. I, I knew Jay West a little bit, too. He was a huge Tron fan. Um, uh, but we already discussed the movie on Video Game Week. Right? We That's did. Right. We did, along with Cloak and Dagger. Wait, but we didn't pick Tron. We I didn't. didn't. I oh, you did. Tron. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. So Tron, w- 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 so basically if we've picked a movie before on the show, it's disqualified. We try not to do it again yeah. unless we forget. Yeah, yeah, right. which we have. Right. <laughs> I, we I'm have... a huge fan of Tron, and uh, yeah, I might have picked it yeah. otherwise. Because that's why Casablanca wasn't on Oscar week, because we had picked it for Love Story week. Yep. So, you know, sometimes something is more appropriate for a later week, but we've already picked it. So. Mike, the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. All right. So I'm going to go with the theme of something that would feel like a wonderful world of Disney on Sunday. How about 1992 live action musical starring Christian Bale, Newsies? Newsies. Newsies. See, now that's our kind of pick, right? right. I, I love that. Newsies. That's hysterical. Great James Horner score, too. Yeah. That's right. That, right. Yeah. Newsies. It's Can you believe that's a play now music. on Broadway? That's insane. That's just newsies. Oh, my God. 90s nostalgia. It never ceases to amaze <laughs> yeah. me. Um, okay, next. My pick is Fantasia. And it even has a nod to The Last Jedi with the sorcerer's apprentice. The kid reaches out, and that That's broom right. comes That's to right. him. You are absolutely right. And now, is it Fantasia or Fantasia 2000? No. no. Oh, I'd say the original Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, you know I, I almost picked that because my, my, my grandfather was friends with Ward Kimball, who is one of the mm. nine old men of Disney Animation, who uh, was one of the principal animators on that film. Um, is yeah. this the same grandfather who worked on Citizen Kane? No, that was my great-grandfather oh, on okay. the other side. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you, I mean, 
how we miss talking about Fantasia. It just shows what a deep bench there is for Disney Week. Um, obviously, Fantasia. It's interesting because Fantasia is a movie that I think when we were younger was like the definitive Disney movie. And like I remember when it was re-released in theaters. We all yeah. went to see it. It was like a really big deal. And in so somehow home video has sort of diminished. That's because the its experience stature. isn't the same at no. home. It, it's definitely a movie that you need to experience as big as possible. And it was the original music video, you know, That's in true. a way. It was like MTV before anybody knew what MTV was. Um, Let's quick go through these. Yeah, okay, keep, let's keep going. All right, I'm going to go with The Cat from Outer Space. The Cat yes. oh, from Outer Space. Oh, excellent. Yes. Cat from Outer Space. See, you guys get it. I love it. This is great. Uh -huh. We've got to do these live things more often. We, no, we said Black Hole was picked for In the Shadow of Star Wars Week. You better believe I would have picked it if, if it hadn't been. Uh, trying, to hit, trying to hit that spot, the live action period that you kind of uh, skipped over for the week, was 20,000 Leagues in Under the Sea yeah. Week? That was, uh, it, it was. Yeah. In okay, under, yeah. We did it in Under Sea Week, 20,000 yeah, Leagues. I'll, I'll go with uh, Swiss Family Robinson. Okay. Oh, great yeah. choice. Yeah. Great choice. Swiss, Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, I, I'm surprised we haven't gone with any of the Kurt Russell uh, films where he's squaring off against Cesar Romero. You know, those great, uh, those great films. Especially uh, Swiss Family Robinson, very uh, influential to uh, George Lucas in Star Wars too. There's a lot. Of, if you true. watch that film, you'll see a lot of echoes uh, of that film in Star Wars. Uh, if you're going for something with a lot of heart, I'd recommend any of the Herbie movies. The Herbie, Herbie. Herbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's the Herbie, the Love Bug movies. Uh, again, it, it just shows what a rich, uh, diverse group of, of films. Because I, that was on my, when I was trying to narrow it down, uh, the, the Love Bug movies. And I, they're all so much fun. Uh, I, we're talking about the original ones, not the Lindsay Lohan one. Yeah. Um, I, I, like the, I like the least uh, released one, uh, Herbie Goes Insane, where he <laughs> gets put into a mental institution. I like that one. Yeah, but which of the and Herbie he movies? Of being a do you person. have a favorite Herbie the Love Bug movie? Like, I, mean, I like the first one. Herbie yeah. the Love, Herbie I like the, the first Love one, Bug. but I think the second one's a lot of fun, too. I mean, I love Herbie Goes to. It wasn't Monte Carlo. Carlo, yeah, but it was the Herbie second. It was the third, the second one where he goes. Herbie goes bananas. Remember when he goes in the elevator and he goes yeah. up the elevator into the yes. office? Yeah, yeah, I like Herbie. Yeah, uh, I, really, I almost, I, I like wanted to pick uh, wagons. I wanted to, I, I love that. I, I wanted to pick that darn cat. Um, he said, "Stars a Siamese cat," and my wife and I have several Siamese cats, and we miss the the golden age of movies when there were Siamese cats and everything. Yeah, that's right. uh, but you know, we need Lady in the Tramp. There's we need an cat. Avengers Endgame where it's Herbie the Love Bug and Knight Rider. There we go. So it's just you time them. We need know. Siamese Cat Week, is what we need. Yeah, the cat from outer space meets that darn cat. Yeah. Well, got one of the Gabor sisters in there. It got Patton in there. Um, Rescuers Down Under. Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under. That's a oh, good one. Oh, what about the original Rescuers? Oh, the Rescuers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the original is always better than the sequel. Okay, so. we, we got to we gotta. Oh, wait, oh yeah, we got to. Okay, we got to wrap things up. Time. Let's give this person the last. Oh, you are the last person. You're the uh, moderator, the person who holds the sign. So listen, um, that's our pick Monday is? Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Tuesday? Is uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Wednesday's a perfectly legitimate pick from Ashley, shockingly. Go ahead. I know, right? Pirates of the Caribbean. Thursday is Who Framed Roger Rabbit and La The Last Jedi. On Friday and then Saturday. Mm. I mean Sunday. Sunday, excuse Sunday. me. Sunday, 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 Sunday. 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 Kids, this race is fans. A tough one. Wow, this I'm, is a tough I don't one. know. I'm feeling the Herbie vibe myself. I'm now. feeling Herbie too. I'm feeling so Herbie. Caden, do you feel Herbie? Probably yes. Wow. <laughs> this is bananas. This Herbie is bananas. Um, Herbie the Love Bug, or the Love Bug, as we're called, for Sunday. And I want to remind you,
430 movies available every, uh, well, it's not, we're on hiatus, but you can get all the classic episodes. And we're putting up special bonus content during our hiatus where we t do live commentary about the individual episodes. So even if it, you've listened to it, there's even a reason old, to listen. There's, new. there's something new about it. And we're going to return the spring with all new episodes. This is going to air next week, I guess. Uh, Bill Ritter, th special thanks. Bill Ritter's out there somewhere in the dark. Somewhere. Uh, thank Crying you. Hey, Bill. It wouldn't be possible without Bill and our producer, Natalie Miscali, who's out there. And Cynthia, thank you so much. Wait, before, um, we, before we go, I want to point something out. Yes. During this entire podcast, during this entire panel, I did not drop a single f Watch it. There's still time. <laughs> and I want to remind you that if you're a fan of our sister podcast, Inglorious Trexperts, tomorrow have we got a panel for you. 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. We are doing a 30th anniversary tribute to, wait for it, <laughs> Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, with screenwriter David Lowry. You can find out what the hell was he thinking? It's going to be great. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Great. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.